two guys meet for lunch at work over a break. And the one begins to ch chat with the other and explain just about how hard this past year has been. Talking about all the sacrifices he's had to make, his wife's had to make, their kids have had to make. Their kids having to miss out on so many sports and things that they love. And what puts salt in the wound is that every day when he drives back and forth to work, he has to drive by that dream boat that he's always wanted to have that he sees at the shop back and forth every day for 14 months he's had to see it. Now, of course, he's talked to his wife about it and he knows they don't really have the money to afford it, but it is his dream. As his buddy sits there and listens as they're eating their sandwiches over lunch, he looks over at him and he's about to give him some horrible advice. Two ladies meet out on the patio at Starbucks. The one begins to unpack. Her friend already knows that she's been struggling in her marriage, but she really downloads about how her husband is com completely absent. The only thing he really seems to care about investing in is his own reputation and his work. The intimacy in their marriage is nil. The spark that used to be there is gone. She just begins to unload the frustration and the emptiness that she feels. And then she begins to tell her friend about how an old boyfriend from high school actually found her on Facebook and messaged her. And he's coming to the city this next weekend and asks if she would like to get together. This friend is about to give some horrible advice. What's that bad advice, you wonder? Just follow your heart. See, it's a mantra of our culture. We love to say it and we love to live by it. Just follow your heart because your heart, it will never lead you astray. But this morning we want to talk about does the Bible and specifically does God actually say we are supposed to follow our heart? So as we dive into this, let's first make sure that we're all talking about the same thing. When we're talking about the heart, we of course aren't talking about the physical organ of your body. In biblical times, both in the Old and the New Testament, just like in our modern Western society today, the heart was meant to refer to the inner man. The word leb was used in the Old Testament, or cardia in the New Testament was a Greek word. Cardia, of course, where we get cardiac, and denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life. Summed up, the heart is this. It is your thoughts. So think of your self-talk your desires or your motives, and your will, what drives you. So this morning, let's look quickly at what the world tells us about our heart. Here's a quick rundown. Our cultural view of the heart is this. Your heart always has your best interest in mind. It is totally worthy to be followed. It's what leads you to life, fulfillment, and purpose. Your heart knows the path to true fulfillment, and it is infallible, meaning that it will never fail you or never lead you astray. It is consequence-free. That's why we're just supposed to follow our heart. We hear this message from all directions of our culture, from media, from people, from all over. One of the places that you'll find it, of course, is Disney. Disney is a true champion of just follow your heart. Whether you're watching a movie, a show, or you get the privilege of going to Disneyland or Disney World. I remember when I was a kid and got to do that and loved it and enjoyed it and look forward to being able to take my son someday. 
but I remember seeing that castle in the distance that maybe you're seeing on the screen right now. You hear that song at the end of the night as fireworks are going through the sky. When you wish upon a star, it makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. If your heart is in your dream, there's no request that's too extreme. When you wish upon a star, as dreamers do. You see, culturally, we set up the heart as this essentially true north. If you want to go with a compass, it was what will direct you and point you where you want to go. It's your reference point. Culture promises that following your heart is the way to find joy and fulfillment, which is why our culture says, hey, be true to you. Do what you feel. You do you. Be you because anything else is just fake. One speaker I heard stated it this way, to follow your heart is to be both authentic to the real you while at the same time pursuing what makes you feel whole. To desire for anything else would be both a lie and settling for something less than. It sounds great, but here's the thing. While many of us buy into this idea that our heart is an infallible guide, our own life experience, when we really think about it, preaches to the untruth of that statement. To say that your heart is the ultimate guide, just, just think this through. If it was as simple as following your heart and that will lead you to true life, meaning, goodness, happiness, and fulfillment, wouldn't we all be happier? Wouldn't the world truly be a much better place than it is? To say that your heart is your ultimate guide is essentially to set your heart up to be your God. It's what the Bible calls idolatry. In the Ten Commandments that we see, the first one is, You shall have no other gods but me. That includes your heart. The truth is this, our hearts will not save us. They are not our rescuer, but rather the truth is the Bible tells us that we need to be saved from our own hearts. Three things that the Bible tells us about our hearts that I want to cover quickly this morning. The first is this, the heart is deceitful. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the heart, meaning your reasons, emotions, and passions, is deceitful above all and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Our feelings, our emotions, our heart are not to be our dictator. Your feelings are not actually an indicator of truth. If we take what this verse tells us about our hearts, then essentially just following your heart is like finding a chronic pathological liar and saying, you tell me what to do with my life. I trust you completely. If you live solely off your own feelings, perspectives, and emotions, you will live a life on a rudderless journey, constantly, frantically going from severe highs and extreme lows ups and downs with tremendous anxiety. The heart is deceitful and it's not to be trusted. Secondly, the Bible tells us that the heart is, D number two, destructive. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. 
There is a way that appears to be right. No one purposely chooses in their life to be destructive, but they do what appears to them to be right. We can go back in history and we can see a litany of people throughout history who simply followed their heart but lived an incredibly destructive life. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Pol Pot, Nero, Saddam Hussein, Genghis Khan. We look at that list and we go, I'm nowhere like them. Yes, they may be journeyed further along, but all of them followed their own heart and passions and desires. The scary thing is, is that you and I, while we haven't gone that far, we actually have that same capacity within us. You may not like that statement, but let's look at what the Bible says. In Mark chapter 7, it says, For it is from within, not without, not a matter of what people do to you, but what is within, out of a person's own heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile the person. James 1.14 says it this way, But each person, when they are tempted, they are dragged away by their own evil desires. By their own hearts. By their own passions. In my practice as a counselor, I find that many people who come for counseling have one of two things in common. The first is this. They're in counseling because they have just followed their heart, and their heart, because it's deceitful, has led them to destruction in their lives and brokenness. It has put them in a perpetual cycle of hopelessness because your heart is vain, conceited, and selfish. Number two, people come to counseling because they've been around someone else who has just followed their heart. And in that, they have been in the wake of destruction of the choices they have made because of just following their heart. Now, maybe you hear this and you go, I don't agree with you. I don't agree that my heart is destructive or has any implications of evil whatsoever within it. Let's maybe do this by our own reflection this morning. Think of everything your heart has thought about over the last two weeks. Every lustful thought. Every time you got angry when someone cut you off in traffic and what you wanted to do to them. Every time you felt frustrated and angered, jealous, envy. How would you feel about instead of me being on this live stream, we had a visual of every thought that you had and every picture that came in your mind for all to see? You see, the reality is our heart is deceitful and destructive. My heart, unattended by Christ, will joyfully use you and anyone else as a stepping stone to get what it wants. Now, key to understanding and getting a true picture of the heart, we've had 2Ds, but we need a 3D image of our heart when I had to have some tests on my heart a couple of years ago, they didn't have a 2D picture. They took a 3D image of the heart to really grasp what was going on. So we know that the heart is deceitful. 
we know that the heart is destructive. Does this mean that we should simply ignore or discard our heart? Some of you have maybe experienced this in your life, and sadly, maybe you've experienced it because that's what your church has taught you. That emotions are simply evil and we just need to ignore them. And, and really championing maturity is not having any emotion. You can't live without a heart. You can't cut your heart out. But here's number three. Our heart should not be dismissed, but your heart needs to be directed. A couple weeks ago, I went for a walk in a neighboring community, not in Beaumont, but a neighboring community. I was praying and actually praying about this message for this morning and talking with God. And as I looked out, I was in a park and there was this beautiful river with a bridge going over top, lush vegetation all the way around the river. Think of the river valley in Edmonton. There's always such great vegetation and life close to the river because the waters of the river bring life to what's around it. But here's the thing. Those living waters of the river, when they get beyond the boundaries, the bank of the river, they can cause immense destruction. Years ago, I owned a home in High River. I was a pastor at a church. You might see on the screen, there's a church covered with water. That was the church I pastored in High River. And I remember going back to High River after the floods, being allowed into the town and seeing heaps of garbage and destruction through the street. On my street, it was at least two stories high of garbage all the way down with all the townhomes that were on that street. Railroad tracks were spun over. The water caused such immense destruction because it was no longer within the boundaries, within the banks of where it was to belong. Your heart is like that river. Our hearts were never designed to be followed, but rather they were designed to be led and to be directed. Proverbs 19.21 says this, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, it's the Lord's counsel that will stand. The heart needs to be guided by Christ. Your emotions are not to be discarded. But we need to understand that our emotions are a gauge. They're a gauge, not a guide. Your heart is not to be ignored, but you need to give it the right position of authority in your life. Psalms 139.23, David said this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. We need to come to God and to ask him for guidance and not just trust our hearts, but trust the one who made our hearts for him to guide us. So the question you might be asking today is, how do I tell the difference between God's plan and my own heart? How do I know the difference? Two things really quickly. The first is this, spend time in God's word. Now, right there, you might be already going, okay, I was with you for a moment, but really, we're just going to go back to read the Bible again? We keep saying that over and over again. But there's a reason. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is not passive, not simply a reading or an exercise or a discipline, but the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and... Listen closely, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's amazing in my life how often I can have someone who's close to me, who's wise, and they can tell me something that's off in my life, and I may or may not listen to them. Sorry, Carrie. 
But it's amazing how when I do my devotions and I read God's word, how often I can be convicted by God's word of what's going on in my life. How that can actually allow me to see and grasp what's going on in my own heart. You need to spend time in God's word. And number two, we need to ask God to transform our passions. Ezekiel 36, 36 says this, God speaking, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. This new heart is to be wired, to have a sensitivity to a new leading, to a new directive or target. Instead of it being the stuff that I had passion for before, this new heart simply has a passion and desire to be led by God. Matthew 6, 21 and Luke 12, 34, both say this, Jesus speaking, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What follows what here? It's your heart that will follow your treasure. Your new heart is to change what you treasure. God can give you a new heart and change what you long for. If I can, church, I just want to speak plainly. Pre-pandemic, I know that many of you have said to God, I am too busy right now. I'm too busy chasing the desires of my own heart. No, you maybe didn't say it plainly like that with your words, but your life has said it powerfully by what you've poured yourself into, what you've given your time to. It's clear what your treasure has been. Going back to the visual of a river, for some of you, you may feel like this season of COVID is like someone took the rivers of life and built this dam where it just stopped everything. The stuff that you found so life-giving, the relationships, the activities, and truthfully, you feel like you are going to burst. The life-giving waters of the river are refreshing and life-giving, but when they are no longer inside the banks of the river, those once life-giving waters can become destructive. As we look forward to this season of things reopening, allowing for more and more opportunities, your sports, your dance lessons, your music lessons, your barbecues and get-togethers, many of you, I'm afraid, are going to allow the waters to determine where you go. You're just going to follow your heart. Rather than allowing God's word and direction guide your heart. Can I challenge you to take account? Don't just try to get back to where you were. Get to where God wants you to be and is calling you towards. Don't just follow your heart, but prayerfully ask God to help guide your heart so that it can be fruitful and life-giving. That's his desire for you. If you'll pray with me as we just close together today. God, I know that I'm not the only one who needs to hear this challenge. I don't just want to follow my heart. I want to follow you. Can you forgive me where I have just gone after my own desires and passions and have treated those as my God? I need you to guide me. And I pray for me and for others, God, over these weeks to come and through the summer, can you speak to us? We want to hear from you and tell us, God, what are your priorities? What do you say to invest ourselves into? And what do you say no? Can you help us to 
feel those life-giving waters, but in the direction of where they give life. Keep our hearts from taking us to places we don't want to be. And thank you that you passionately care. You don't ask us to ignore. You know our hearts. So help us to come and know yours more, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.